The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Carolis, and you are listening to Pa the Chat, talking dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this weekly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I am happy to share my 14 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Happy Friday, everybody! Today isn't just another Friday here at Pod to Chat, and it isn't any normal Friday for anybody else living here in the great United States. Instead of giving you my regular update here, I'm going to chat for a moment about the election, because come next week's podcast, I may be talking to you from an abruptly different United States than I am this Friday. I don't love talking politics on a dance podcast, but I'm going to come out and ask you to consider what is at stake in the presidential election this Tuesday. I've heard a handful of people that are unwilling to vote for Hillary Clinton because of their disdain for this woman. Personal anger or frustration over things that the conservative media wants you to believe. My position on this election (laughs) is that we need to look past the specific person, the human that we are voting for, and look at the values, beliefs, and skill sets that they are promoting and share. A vote for Trump because you dislike Clinton is a vote threatening my recent marriage to my husband. A vote for Trump is supporting the same rhetoric and propaganda for Muslims and immigrants that eventually led to the slaughtering of over 6 million Jews, gays, and many more people just like me. If I lived in Europe from 1939 to 1946, I would have had little chance. If we vote out of hate and dislike, we are voting with the wrong inspiration. Beyond all this, I just ask you to consider this thought. If you're concerned by Hillary's record, think about it this way. She has done wonderful and some less than than great things in her extensive political career. If Donald Trump was actually a politician with an equally lengthy career, imagine what his laundry list of misdeeds would look like. It's hard to compare when we are talking about somebody with no political career. So, if you haven't voted and you're on the fence, please listen to what I've shared with you and consider voting for the candidate that supports love and forward progress. The arts is a progressive field that helps people gain greater perspective and acceptance of the beautiful qualities, lifestyles, and perspectives that make us all unique. I hope my journey into publicly sharing our art form can move you and help influence you to support the candidate who cherishes the eclectic lifestyles and perspectives that make up the foundation of our country, Hillary Clinton. Anyway, (laughs) I'm glad that I got that over with. So let's move on to this week's regularly scheduled episode. This week I want to discuss healthy ways to improve your technique. I've been working for the last month at this great ballet school in Port Chester, New York. It's called Greenwich Ballet Academy. It's right on the border of Greenwich, Connecticut uh, and Port Chester, New York. I started teaching the contemporary program at this school in October and have been having a great time passing on my knowledge and experience to these talented kids every week. One thing that I love about teaching is how I learn so much about my own dancing and other aspects of my life while trying to find the best ways to express dance to these kids. One thing we've recently been discussing is how to improve yourself in class in healthy ways. 
When I first started training at a recreational dance school as a little kid, I worked hard because I had fun when I was dancing. I improved slowly, but I, I, I definitely still improved. Then, as I became more passionate about dance, I started to improve a bit, a bit faster because I wanted to be better. But I really started to improve at my fastest clip the moment I stepped foot into Vladimir Jolikhadze's class at the Kirov Academy of Ballet in 2001. I hadn't attended the summer program at this prestigious school that sometimes felt like we were actually living in Russia. It's in Washington, D.C. But we sometimes everybody around us was speaking Russian. We had to bow to our instructors in the hallways uh, when they walked by and so many other things that you wouldn't see at other schools. But yeah, like I said, I hadn't attended the summer program, so I really had no idea what I was in for until the moment that I stood at my bar spot to begin our classes uh, with plies during the fall semester. Ready to show off and work hard for that positive reinforcement that I had gotten before, I began to uh, execute my first plie. Almost immediately after grand plie in first position, the teacher, he stopped the pianist and told me I was wrong and how to fix it. We started again, and I attempted to do what I thought was fixing it, and he immediately stopped and asked me to fix it again. We started again, <laughs> and then he screamed at the top of his lungs, stopped the pianist, and then ran over to me, uncomfortably grabbing my hand and my head, showing me that he wanted me, my head to move exactly in unison with my arm, which I had thought that I was doing, but... Uh, I mean, looking back, I probably wasn't, but in my mind, I thought that I was. I tried my damnedest to execute the simple move to his ideal, but I hadn't been trained this, this way in the past, and I, no matter how hard I tried that first day, I could not please my teacher, uh, or, or do it correctly for that, for that matter. The first 15 minutes of this class was only a prelude to the rest of my year at the Kirov Academy of Ballet. While I improved more this year than any other, I was only really improving out of pure fear and shame when things didn't go correctly. If we unintentionally made a mistake, it could lead our teacher into a rage, or I, I think he might have had whooping cough. <laughs> so he would start to work himself up, and then he would just start to cough like crazy. And then once he finally stopped coughing, he uh, would tell us that because we didn't work hard enough, it affected his health. It was definitely definitely a different way to, uh, to learn and uh, a dif different way to in inspire students to, to do their best. By the end of the year, I had evolved into an amazing 18-year-old with a court of ballet contract with Colorado Ballet. So I was ready to start my professional career at 18 years old. But even with this new accomplishment and the prospect of becoming a professional, I was convinced that I was an awful dancer. I really truly believed that there were too many things wrong with my dancing. How could I ever be a good dancer? But <laughs> I, had, I had a job. So why did I feel this way? <laughs> Because we had been taught that recognizing our accomplishments and feeling good about our dancing would mean that we would become comfortable in class and quite possibly would stop working so hard to achieve better things than what we had already achieved. While greatly effective and so, so very Russian, over time I have found that this is not the best or most effective way to improve oneself. 
While it can launch a dancer into a period of market improvement, it is also a lot more likely to lead to a severe lack of self-confidence, which can lead to burnout, um, or even worse, it could end a dancer's career. This negative reinforcement to make a dancer work harder can work well initially, but really backfire long term. And in the end, if if you don't have your emotional health uh, there in line for your career, it can start to bleed into other areas of your life. So it can actually be quite dangerous. It's still ridiculous to me that I was convinced that I was a horrible dancer and way behind in my technique even after I began dancing with Houston Ballet and Pacific Northwest Ballet. It, it really took me a while to recognize that my hard work was creating positive things, not living or working in in fear that I wasn't working hard enough and I wasn't getting better. While I've gotten better from this this mindset, I still do have trouble enjoying my successes for more than a moment today because I feel like I need to work harder to do better. Um, and I, I recognize it, but it's still a very challenging cycle to break. And I'm, I've been out of the Kirov for 14 years now. Now, there are ways to create behaviors that uh, work to improve yourself through positive reinforcement. Um, even if, if you need to create some tools on your own to get this mindset, um, there, you don't have to constantly berate yourself and bring yourself down to make yourself feel bad so that you'll work harder. Um, I, I've come up with a few different tools for myself uh, and for dancers that I've trained that I want to share with you. Um, so if you want to take a few of these, you can you can take them to positively improve yourself in your art. The first thing that I did uh, was actually something that I, I, had, I found very positive from my time at the Kirov and that I have taken with me. Um, so my instructor required me to keep a notebook full of corrections um, that I would have to bring to class. And after class, he would make me sit down and write down those corrections. Um, eventually I ended up, uh, when I went to the School of American Ballet, we had these cork boards in our dormitories and I, uh, started taking post-its after class and I would write post-its. And, uh, if you looked at my, my wall of corrections by the end of the, the school year at the School of American Ballet, I probably looked a little crazy, uh, because I had maybe a, a few, maybe a hundred to two hundred post-its on my, my cork board. But uh, I, I found that this was very helpful because it didn't bring me down, uh, but it, it kept a constant reminder of the corrections that I had, I had gone throughout the year. And the great thing about this was, it, so I would write down the corrections so that it would reinforce the corrections. I wouldn't forget it and I could, I could bring it to the next class. Uh, and then after, say, a month or two, I could go back to those corrections in my book or on my wall and I could say, oh, wow, I don't even think about that anymore and I do it every day and I could actually note positively how I had improved. Or if I had sort of lost track of one of those corrections and I, I still need work on it, I could look back and say, oh, I forgot that. I'm glad that I have a record of it because now I, I can remember it a few months later to, to reinforce it and put it back into my training. I really like that idea. I, I use the, the idea of having students write down corrections uh, 
very often, whether they have their own notebook or whether they have a notepad in their phone or their iPad, um, whatever whatever they, they have. I, I think that that's a really great positive way to, to improve yourself because it, it really f- puts the focus on the correction as opposed to uh, the mindset. Another positive behavior that I've created that for myself that works in in a positive way uh, to to help improve myself is I will enter class with a core correction in mind. Um, now, from the last thing, maybe I, in the past I would have taken a correction from from my my notes, uh, but. Even today, uh, I watch YouTube videos all the time. I'm a huge fan of YouTube videos. And for those of you that <laughs> that are in this age training with YouTube, you're so lucky. Because when I was a kid, I used to have to raid my uh, my teacher's uh, VHS collections to watch videos. But what I what I do is I'll watch a video of something that inspires me, and I'll say, "Oh, they're doing this. Maybe I should consider this." So I'll enter each class that I go into with a core correction in mind. Like one correction, whether it's as simple as I'm not uh, maintaining the uh, engagement of my abdominal muscles enough, or maybe improving the line of uh, my legs in arabesque. A uh, recent one is sometimes when I pick my foot up from uh, the floor to a coupe or so the coup de pied, my foot will sickle a little bit because I'm trying so hard to push into the floor. Um, so, what I do is I go into every class with a core correction in mind that no matter what I'm doing, I will continually assess that correction and find where that correction it needs to be addressed throughout class. Uh, and then from there, so that I have this one correction in mind from the moment I step into class, then every other correction that I receive from the teacher I uh, I add that to my cue, so I, I'm not overwhelmed by that core correction, and I'm able to accept other corrections, and maybe one of those corrections will become the core correction for my next class. But I find it really valuable to have one general idea of a correction to go into class with to keep in mind while you take in the rest of information, the information that you're given throughout class. Uh, this one goes back uh, to me being a crazy neurotic teenager, um, but I, I still feel that this is a really positive way to improve your your dancing. Um, I really enjoy this. A lot of people don't like watching themselves dance. It's kind of like watching, listening to yourself talk uh, or <laughs> uh, watching yourself act or anything like that. A lot of people, they, they get shy or uncomfortable. Um, but when I was a kid, I used to, again, I'm dating myself, but I used to watch VHSs of my performance. Um, and I there was this slow motion button that you could press and it would I could watch myself dance in slow motion. Um, and what I would do is I would play it forward and I'd watch it slow, how I went from the beginning, executing, going through into whatever it was, if it was a pirouette or a jump, if I was like coming off the floor into the position down to the floor uh, with my turnout and my the pointing of my feet and arches and the backs of my legs and the line, all that. I would assess it all. Um, and I was essentially, I, I was learning how to be a teacher too because I was critiquing myself while... Uh, watching myself dance. Um, 
So what I would do is I would say, oh, I really need to work on that in class, and then I would take those corrections into class. So if you do have any footage of yourself, I do suggest watching it. And if you uh, do have a slow motion, which everybody at this point usually does, if you have the ability to slow down uh, the execution of certain things, it, it's really valuable to watch it so that you can see exactly how you go into it and exactly how you execute it and then how you go out of it. Alrighty, uh, another suggestion that I have to positively uh, reinforce corrections and behaviors. Uh, I, I say uh, turn it into a game. I mean, especially for kids. Kids love something that feels like you're playing or where there's sort of this friendly competition going on. So uh, I'd, I'd say challenge yourself to to maybe balance longer than anybody else in class, uh, to turn more than anybody else. Maybe if you're an adagio and everybody's leg is all saccone, try to hold your leg just a little bit longer than everybody else does. Uh, there was a dancer, well, there is a dancer at Pacific Northwest Ballet that I, I worked with a colleague of mine for the entire seven years that I danced with the company, who is now a principal with the company named Lindsay Deck. And it's Lindsay had one of the most inspiring, positive attitudes out of any dancer that I've ever met. She spent a handful of years in the corps, many, many years as a soloist, and then finally made it to principal dancer. But no matter what, she was very competitive, but at the same time, it never felt like she didn't want you to succeed. And so people would play games with her, including myself, where maybe we'd see if we could hold a balance a little bit longer. And then we'd laugh about it, whoever won. But it's, it's almost this idea of, I, I say this all the time in my classes, I want you to do well, but I want to do better than you. And the idea of that is that you want everybody to succeed and you push harder. And what it does is it actually, if everybody approaches class in that way, then the whole group continues to get better, not just an individual. Uh, because what it does is it creates this friendly competition. Competition isn't necessarily a bad thing. It creates this friendly competition where everybody is trying to outdo each other just a little bit, but they're not trying to cut each other down. But they're trying to, to push the boundaries of their abilities and their techniques and their tricks and all of those things. Uh, and it, it really can be a positive way to improve, not just as, a, in, as an individual, but as an entire group. So think about that one. Uh, and maybe go into class and, 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 and try to be just a little bit competitive in, in, a, in a friendly way. Sort of along the same lines, but but uh, not exactly the same. I would say another way to improve yourself is to give more in class than you actually think that you have. I, I'm constantly telling students, you think that you can hold that balance that long because you've done it before. So I want you to say, I know I can do it, and maybe I'll mess up if I try to do more. But I, I always suggest that students push themselves in every part of class more than they ever have before. Because I, you will surprise yourself. I always enjoy watching a student push themselves beyond their expectations and then to see their reaction when they have actually <laughs> gone beyond their expectations. And then once they recognize that, and they take that into the rest of their dancing, 
really their dancing has no boundaries. And this is, I mean, this is, yes, this is uh, accessible and helpful for dance, but this is helpful really in almost anything in life that you're, you're interested in trying to achieve something in. All right, the last one I, I've got in mind for for you to uh, help help improve yourself, which is something that I didn't really have too much access to as a kid because we didn't have devices that had the ability to record at, at the touch of a finger. If, if I wanted to record myself dancing, I had to either hire somebody uh, with a video camera or I had to carry a, a clunky <laughs> video camera around, which was they were much more expensive back then. But I always suggest uh, dancers to videotape their practice, especially by themselves. I, I, I'm not a big advocate for uh, filming in the middle of class. Um, maybe a private lesson would be more appropriate if you wanted to do that. But Give yourself an exercise and record it, watch it back, and then correct yourself, critique what you think could be better, and then go back and repeat it. And this is, it's such an effective way to get better because then you have your time with your teachers in class so that you're getting corrections then, and then you have time where you get to become the teacher and correct yourself. So you, you will be pushing yourself to move forward if you if you approach your dancing in that way and you rewatch what you're dancing. It's almost the idea of watching your performances back, uh, but it's it's quicker, it's more accessible. So I, I think that this is really a great tool for uh, students to really push their dancing to the next level. So there you go. There are a few tools that you can use to help improve your dancing, but in a positive way. Critiquing isn't necessarily a bad thing uh, or a negative thing. Uh, it, it's a really positive thing if you are able to do it in ways that are healthy, uh, healthy for you. Be ambitious and honest, but try to see the positive things you have to offer while criticizing yourself. For instance, I was in class yesterday <laughs> on my path to getting back in shape after not doing anything on my three-week honeymoon. I will never take three weeks completely off from dancing in the gym again. <laughs> Not until I'm 80 and can't walk. <laughs> um, my my adagio has suffered greatly from being away to the point where my leg is barely uh, above 90 degrees and it shakes a bit if I have to hold it for more than I don't know four counts. Um, but I found myself criticizing myself in Nancy Bielski's class at Steps on Broadway yesterday. But then, as I looked at my leg shaking and all of a gun, I noticed how much the stretch of my foot has changed at the end of my my extension over the years. <laughs> I, I my feet have improved even as I get older. My feet have improved and become more flexible, uh, and it it still surprises me to see that. So you see, I've learned that I can couple criticism with positivity, <laughs> and if I can do it, I encourage all of you listening to seek ways to find it, find ways to do that as well. Because, like I said, it's really been a struggle for me over the years to to find ways to uh, improve through positive pathways. So I, I hope these suggestions help you along your path. Alrighty, that's it for this week. So again, please go out and vote <laughs> and keep kindness, love, and respect for all in your heart as you help us select a way to protect the rights of people just like me. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod to Chat Talking Dance. 
If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorollis.com. Again, that's www.barrycorollis.com. You can also reach out on there if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcasts or to book master classes in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra vis- visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcast on the Premier Dance Network on iTunes or on premierdancenetwork.com. New hosts from your favorite dance companies are being added monthly. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B. Carolus, or Twitter at Bariscos. Also, be sure to subscribe to my blog, Life of a Freelance Dancer, where I've been writing about working as a freelance artist for over four years. I also have two YouTube channels, B. Carolus, featuring my choreography, and Corp-ography, featuring my choreographic web series that tells the life-defining stories of professional dancers through revealing interviews and choreography. Thanks for listening in to Pod the Chat. I hope you return next Friday to talk dance with me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene. And vote. (laughs) Have a great weekend.